You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Their friends. Yay. All right. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. And uh, we've been dealing with friend-related issues. Amen. And it's been great. We've been having a great time. And this morning, I was actually asked to speak on a topic that I, I usually deal with. I deal with it with couples. And um, I'm going to try to deal with it in relation to friendship. Amen. And I'm going to be talking about personalities today. You know, as we were worshiping, when I said, praise the Lord, and, you know, you can wind people all you like, their personalities will come through. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. My personality is coming through right now because I'm coming to you. <laughs> when you can speak to people, oh, like, come on, lift up your voice, lift up your hands. And some people will still be like, oh. it is because of who they are or the way they are. And some of us will be rolling on the floor. <laughs> and so, we, you know, when you see people, maybe you are the kind of person that you, you, you roll on the floor and you cry and you kneel and you do all sorts of things. And the person beside you is not that kind. Hello? And you now allow that person to regulate you. You now decide something must be wrong. Grace is not in the spirit. She's not leading so well. That's why the person beside me is not singing. It's a lie. Worship is going on well. That person is just being that person. And so if you allow someone else to determine how you worship God, wow. It's a problem. And for those of us that prefer to just be nice and calm and dignified, uh, when you see the rest of the people rolling, it's okay. Don't think, what is wrong with them? Are you the one that, you know? Is it only you Jesus died for? You know, you know how we can get. It's like, why are you overdoing it? Allow people to overdo it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, so I want to hear you this morning as I, I bring the word. Amen. Can I start with Proverbs 24 <laughs> from verse 3? I'm going to read Proverbs 24, 3. <clears throat> All right. It says, I'm going to read three and four. It says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. <laughs> through wisdom, a house is built. I need you to know that it is not enough to possess wisdom. Wisdom that builds. Amen. There is understanding that brings establishment. And sometimes that is what we lack in our relationships. All right, so you connect with this person and you build. And let me go to married people. You know, you connect and you're like, yes, you are the one I want to marry. All right? And you get connected and you build. But there is no understanding. He begins to do things funny. And she begins to do things funny, and you wonder, what is all this nonsense about? 
How is it that I do not understand what you are doing? Why are you behaving this way? Why can't you be like me? The Bible says it is understanding that brings establishment. When you do not seek to understand, it means you're going to lack in the area of establishment. Have you seen a building that is not well established? Have you seen any building? If where we are today is not firmly rooted and established, we're in trouble. Anything can happen while we're here. But when you begin to build something and you are conscious of the fact that you need that thing which you are building to be well established, you will get all the understanding that you need. And so in our relationships, we need to come to the place where we're saying, I need to understand you. You know how people say we don't understand women? Uh, hello? It's not time to look straight. You can respond to me. <laughs> I said, I don't understand them. You better seek understanding or else you will never be happy. If you decide, oh, I don't understand, oh, Pastor Uba, I don't understand her, and you don't try to understand me, you're going to miss out on valuable things, man. <laughs> Am I preaching here? <laughs> if you decide that you don't get, you know, she's some way, and you don't seek to understand my way, or the way I am, or my, my, my bend, my build, the way I do things. If you don't understand how I think, and why I do what I do, you would move away from me because you think, ah, I don't understand her. And then there's an area in your life that you need to be established that will not be established. And it goes with your friends as well. You meet this person, you say, okay, nice person and all of that. But you do not know, listen, the Lord brings you together. Relationships are meant to build you. They are meant to take you to levels. Amen. Amen. But when you begin to take for granted the relationships that you have, just because you do not understand, today something happens, you discard that relationship. Then you move to the next one, you, don't know that you discard the relationship. And you don't know that you're dis discarding destiny moments in your life. You're discarding things that are supposed to establish you, things that are supposed to take you to new levels. Listen, there are places you can never, ever get to unless you climb on someone's back. And so, instead of you understanding that person, maybe the person you need to climb on her back, her personality is such that she's saying, find a chair and climb. She's not ready to do that just because of who she is. And then you're like, hey, and I've been trying to climb on her back and she's not even bending the back. If she really wants me to climb, she would have bent her back all this time. And the person is saying, I want to see your effort. Get a ladder. <laughs> Get a ladder and climb. And because you do not understand, you walk away from a vital relationship. So this morning, I believe and I trust God, I'm believing the Lord to help bring some understanding. And the Bible says knowledge fills the room, that house, that room, that relationship that you're building. It fills it with precious and pleasant riches. Amen. So wisdom will help you build the house. But wisdom will only build the house. 
How many of you have homes that you've built? Okay, many coming. Amen. Yeah, I know you own property. But I'm talking of the ones that have actually taken time to build. But here's the thing. When you finish building, are you just celebrating and saying, yeah, 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 so I've built a house. I'm a house owner, a home owner. Are you not going to make sure that you fill the house? Now, knowledge is what will fill the house. So there are things you need to know about your friend. There are things you need to know about that person you're in a relationship with that will make your home full. Amen. There are things I know about him that makes our house full and rich. There are things he knows about me that makes our house full and rich. There are things she knows about me that makes our relationship robust. There are things you don't know about me. And so our relationship is flaky. Knowledge is power. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So we need understanding. The reason why we're dealing with this is so that we can have understanding. So that you can understand that friend that you brought today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I told you we're dealing with uh, temperaments. Uh, temperament is, is it's your, the basic template to which you were created. Amen. <laughs> now, I want you to know a lot of people... They mix their temperament sometimes with their character. You know, when you are rude, you say, you know, it's my temperament. There is no rude temperament. Are you following? It's your character. And so sometimes when people are doing certain things, they say, you need to understand. I remember many years ago in Cape Town when I took um, a, a group through this test. And after that, uh, this man drags his wife to me and says, please talk to her. <laughs> Every time I say something, she says, but you know it's my temperament. So I'm like, the temperament is not supposed to excuse you from good behavior. <laughs> Amen. You can't now decide, oh, you know, this is my temperament, so this is how I'm going to be. So your character, you, you need to work on your character. Amen. All right, Galatians 5, 19 to 23. I want to read that quickly so that you would know that if your temperament is outside of those things or if it's looking like this, then it's not okay. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, you've seen what I have brought up here. The works of the flesh. These are works of the flesh Period. Amen. So if your character is anything like this, it needs to be dealt with. It has nothing to do with your temperament. I just need to put that out. Because a lot of times when we exhibit this temperament, we say you need to understand, you know, it's just, we, need, um, uh, we exhibit these traits. We say it's just my temperament. It is not your temperament to be heretic. Amen. It is not your temperament to be an adulterer. Amen. So you cannot decide that it is my temperament. It is the work of the flesh that needs to be dealt with. 
Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. So you would see certain people and you say, oh, they just, their temperament, they're just gentle. They're, they're so self-controlled. Um, excuse me, self-control is something everybody must be. Can I hear someone say amen? <laughs> we are all supposed to be self-controlled. Now I understand that when we go further into it, I know that there are people who are a little more patient than the rest of us. But you cannot sit back and say, you know, I'm, I'm just a very impatient person, and you brag on that. There's a problem, and we need to deal with it. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to read one more scripture before I get into <laughs> the temperament. I want to show you different kinds of people. Proverbs 30, 11 to 14. Someone knows that scripture. <laughs> We're going to read 11 to 14. It says, and what you're going to see is four different classes of people. <laughs> there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. And their eyelids are lifted up. And the last group. And there is a generation whose teeth are like swords. <laughs> and whose fangs are like knives. To devour the poor from off the earth. And the needy from among men. Go back to 11. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Now, these classes of people and these people that you can see the scripture talking about, I know it's all negative, but I need to bring something out of it. There is a generation that curses its father and mother. It's a class of people that are always unhappy. Why was I born for goodness sake? Why is my life just going like, I curse the day I was born. There is a temperament that blesses, and, oh, that curses their father. There is a temperament that is always unhappy. The slightest thing makes them want to die. I just want to die. Do you know of such people? When the slightest thing, you're always dealing with, and I'm not saying depression, but you're, oh, it's a temperament that gets easily depressed. But a lot of times you're dealing with don't die, don't, you know. <laughs> God has a plan for you. I, I understand that things are not going the way it should go now. It's a melancholy temperament. Because these are people that their life needs to be ordered in a particular way. Do you know people whose lives must be ordered? Nothing must go out of place. And so when things are a little out of alignment, let me just die. What is the reason for me being here when my life is not going as it should go? And so it's possible that you have a friend or maybe you are that friend where everything must be in a particular order. And if it is not in that order, something is wrong. You are not okay. Okay. 
You know, melancholies are people that maybe you say to them, you have five minutes to make an announcement. A melancholy is checking the time. Five minutes and two seconds. The melancholy spirit has lifted. <laughs> Just the fact that you've gone a little over time. You need some intercession to get that person back into the spirit. Why? Because everything is not going as it should go. There is a pattern. There is a way my life is supposed to go. Why is it just, why are things taking time? And so it is melancholy that this, they begin to curse and say things are not going. I just wish this was not here. I, I just wish I wasn't even born into this family. I, hello? There are people that wish, I wish I was born into an American family. I think my life would have been better. All kinds of funny desires. They curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. Melancholies can, they have a way of, and we're still speaking negative things. Now, melancholies are powerful people. All right? Yeah. All the melancholies are saying amen. Amen. You, normally, I take you through a test so that you can confidently say amen because now you know, okay, I'm melancholy, I'm this, you know. But uh, when you hear certain things, you say, mm, I think I'm a little like this. And then you understand. Now, you will find if, um, <laughs> if a melancholy is going to throw a party, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> they want to throw a party and you come into that party, 10 minutes later, there's a problem. When you, a melancholy does something and they say it ends at 5 o'clock, it must end at 5 o'clock. I want to quickly say something. It just came to me. Because sometimes we can miss things here. When pastor was going to start Zulu lessons, he invited me for the lessons. And he said to me, Oh, I'm starting Zulu today. Do you want to join me? I said, oh, yes. I would like to join you. And then I said to him, I asked him a crucial question because, hey, that's who I am. What time? <laughs> what time do we finish? He says, ah, we'll just flow. I said, hmm. <laughs> what time do we finish from, so it starts at what time? Eight, eight to what? Is it eight to nine? I don't mind if you say it's eight to three. Just tell me what time. They said it's as the spirit leads. <laughs> and for that reason today, I don't know Zulu. <laughs> because I, I refused. Because here's the thing. I'm going to be miserable in that class. Because I'm like, when are we ending? How is this thing going? What's the plan? So it is possible that you know people like that. If you find that you have a melancholy friend who begins to get a little restless, why are you doing things like that? You need to just understand that's how they're wired. Things kind of need to be in place. Now, I understand that sometimes things can be out of place, and we need to learn to deal with those things. But if that one is your friend, understand that this is how they are. Things need to be in place with them. You see, I don't have much time. There's so much to say about melancholies. 
However, they are very faithful and loyal friends. Amen. Uh, they may not be in a hurry to make friends. Do you know a melancholic? I have just one friend. Tried and tested friend. <laughs> not, they, they don't just have friends anyhow. Are you following? Because they've checked you out. They've calculated. They've organized you in their mind. Because melancholies are very highly organized. They've put everything in its proper place. And they're like, I think we can be friends. And when a melancholy decides to be your friend, it's permanent. Except something when the enemy comes in. Are you following? They are faithful people. They are loyal people. Amen. A melancholy is not very expressive. In other words, if pastor should announce today and say we're going the extra mile, a melancholy would just nod like, okay. And in their head, they're thinking extra mile, what does it entail for us to go the extra mile? Let me jump a little and say, a sanguine will say extra mile and do Holy Ghost dance. <laughs> Amen. Extra mile. We're coming, pastor. We're there. Ex oh, Jesus. I've been waiting for this announcement of extra mile. When are we starting? You will see some dancing. That we're prayer. From when to when, pastor? Just give us the date. But that sanguine, wait for the prayer day. The sanguine will oversleep, first of all. And will forget that. Say, was it today? I didn't know. I'm sorry. So I'm jumping ahead of, my time, of myself. But basically what I'm saying is, when a melancholy sets their mind to something, it will take a great thing to move them from what they have decided they're going to do. Even though they're very emotional, very temperamental, very moody people. In fact, if you look in this room, I can tell you melancholies immediately. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you might be laughing and melancholy is like, what was the joke? What exactly is so funny? You know, they need to make sure, analyze it. Very analytical people. They're analyzing. Is it that... Funny. And what this person is saying, is it really necessary? <laughs> what I'm trying, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is to help you to understand the people around you and the people you're in relationship with. Amen. Amen. So that you are in the place where even when they're doing funny things that are, you don't really understand, you know that, ah, my life, my destiny is connected to this one, and I'm not going to discard it just because I don't get certain things. Seek to understand. Amen. I'll just give you a few traits of a melancholy. They have said it, they're analytical, planner, they're scheduled. Amen. They're cultured, they're perfectionists. Amen. Everything must be in place. Can we read Numbers 11, 10 to 15? I want to show, do you know those temperaments? You can find everyone, everyone you've ever admired in scripture. They have one of these things. Amen. So let's look at Moses. <laughs> we've been reading about him and we've been blessed by how the children of Israel constantly provoked him. And every time he was provoked and every time God was provoked, Moses would fall on his face. Amen. But he had a bit of melancholic traits. Yeah, he was melancholy. <laughs> then Moses heard the people weeping throughout the families. 
everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was, uh, was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? Now it was about him, hey? And why have I not found favor in your sight? So these guys are misbehaving, and, and Moses is like, why me now? Why, why am I being afflicted? Why have I not found favor in your sight? Huh? That you have laid the burden of all those people on me. Keep going. Yeah? So Moses... If you treat me like this, say, please kill me here and now. It's, oh, it's enough. Kill me here and kill me now. Uh, uh, if I have found favor on your sight and you do not let me see my wretched, Lord, I just want you to kill me. I'm tired of this thing. Every time I have to deal with these guys. If I found favor on your sight, why do I have to be exposed to all this wretchedness? If you are truly God, yes, if you are really God, if what you said is true, why am I going through what I'm going through? That's why I said to you, because I would rather die. Kill me. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. So if you have a friend who is like that, and she's constantly wanting to die, don't just leave her to herself. Are you following? <laughs> Don't say you're always wanting to die. I think today might be a good day. <laughs> to, today looks like an acceptable day for dying. <laughs> now, melancholies, what I'm about to say is really serious. <laughs> melancholies get easily depressed. Now, people don't understand depression. When they find someone who is depressed, they're like, are you the only one? Things are hard for you. They're also hard for me. Your challenge, I'm challenged. In fact, my challenge is more than yours. But because you are, you, you are different from that person, you need to know that what they are going through is so real to them. And so you cannot discard them. So if you have a melancholic friend and you find them a little moody and it's like, I'm feeling depressed, don't just ignore and say, mm, she has started again. Be a friend to that one. Help to take her out of that depression. Because pastor always says that the enemy gets you when you isolate yourself. I told you a melancholic doesn't have a lot of friends. And then you, the only friend she has. You ignore her because you're like, she has started again with her mood. Don't do that. You understand that this is how she is. And it's because things are not going exactly how they're supposed to. But you counsel her. I know things are not going as, as they should go. But hey, God work causes all things to work together for your good. You find a way to be a friend to that person. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. I want to move on quickly to the next person. All right. The second. There is a generation that is pure in their eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. Amen. Now, the second people <laughs> that are pure in their eyes are the ones we call the phlegmatics. Amen. Phlegmatics are very nice people. They are peaceful people. They are 
so loving, they prefer you to themselves. Are you following? A phlegmatic will allow you to have room instead of them. A phlegmatic stares, stares clear of conflict, does not want to fight. And you see, because of the niceness of a phlegmatic, he thinks he doesn't need Christ. He's pure in his own eyes. Amen. He is so good. He avoids conflict. He's not a fighter. He's a lover. Hello. And so for that reason, we say phlegmatics are pure in their own eyes. Now, a phlegmatic is a fantastic person. And if you have um, a phlegmatic as a friend, you have a great friend. Because that friend will always make sure that you're okay, Very, will not want to offend you. Do you know that maybe if you're, if you're a phlegmatic wife and your husband is nothing near phleg, maybe he's choleric, and, and he's saying something and you know that what he's saying is wrong, you a phleg, you know that what he's asking you to do is not correct. A phleg will say, mm, just for peace sake, I will just do it. Hello? Even with their friends, they know that this is not okay, but they'll be like, mm, yeah, as long as it doesn't kill us. What do you mean as long as it doesn't kill you? <laughs> because you are pursuing, you are seeking peace and pursuing it like the Bible says, but you've outrun the peace. <laughs> you need to come back a little. <laughs> so yes, it's great, phlegmatics. Peace-loving people, they don't like problems. They don't want you to ruffle their feathers at all. So you can have that friend who is peace-loving. Don't take them for granted because as peace-loving as they are, they can be a little bit stubborn. Yeah? They can be a little bit stubborn. In other words, when they've made up their mind about something, they, they won't be making noise, hey? They're not, you know, shouting like, this is what I'm going to do. They will just make up their mind. To say, mm, this, I'm not moving from it. And you do everything you can and you find that they're not moving from it. Now, Abraham, I'm trying to rush through this. Abraham was on the flag side, amen. I keep saying was on, on the flag side or, or melancholy side because I don't want to seriously define anyone. Are you, are you following me? So, yeah. Before, <laughs> before I get to Abraham... There is a song, um, Mary, Mary, maybe like Saka, do you know, walking? Yes, he says, I'm walking. Um, he says, one part of the song says, some, some people say, um, walking takes too long. But I say, with walking, you can't go wrong. Why should you rush your way through life? You won't get very far. Running all the time. I said, that's a flag song. <laughs> that song is so phlegmatic. He says, you, you, why, 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 why are you rushing when you can walk through life? He says, you won't get far running. Ask a choleric, you get far running. <laughs> yeah, they're answering. So, phlegmatics love the scenic route. Amen. It doesn't matter how much in a hurry you are, they still want to stop and smell the roses. They still want to take their time and enjoy what is going on around them. Why are we running? 
Are, are, you, are you finding yourself there or your friend? <laughs> they take their time. He says, why, why are we rushing? You can't get anywhere by running. That is the mindset of a phlegmatic guy. Whatever, it is still there. Oh, I've heard some flags in my life. Who will tell me? It, it will be there when we get there. <laughs> it's not running away. Hello, can anyone identify what I'm saying? <laughs> he says, it's not running away. Why must we hurry? Are you going to Woolies? Woolies is not going anywhere. Why must we rush to get to Woolies? They are not closed. It's just 10 a.m. They close at 8. Let's take our time. And then when you are not phlegmatic, you are like, I have other things to do. I don't have to take all day on the way to Woolies. Amen. I'm just looking straight. I'm refusing to look. I don't want to look in certain directions. <laughs> Glory to God. They're the best people that you can. L listen to me. If you have a phlegmatic husband, oh my God. You are a blessed woman. Any phlegmatic men in the house? Come on, you are blessed. Where is your wife? Woo! You see, the, the, the women are lifting up their husband's hands. <laughs> wonderful people because you can it's difficult for you to offend a phlegmatic man you will do and do and do and he's like it's okay <laughs> and then you say sorry and he's like ah I forgave you long ago but that's a phlegmatic that is spirit controlled so all those temperaments listen a spirit controlled choleric is different from uh, <laughs> one who is not amen now, a phlegmatic who is not spirit-controlled will be very poor because he doesn't move. No inspiration, like, it's okay, what? We need to push, we need to push for what? I'm content with what I have. Little be it or not. You know, just whatever I have is good enough for me. Have you been to school with some people and you are high-flying now and they are still where they were? It's because they're phlegs. They're taking their time. They're like, what's the hurry? What's the rush? Are you following? But when you become spirit controlled, it'll be difficult for us to even figure if you are phlegmatic. That is, if you have the, the weaknesses of a phleg. Okay. Am I making sense to someone this morning? And is it helpful? All right. I want us to read Genesis 13, 7 to 11. Just put it on the screen before we read that. I was saying to us that Abraham was phlegmatic. Abraham wasn't someone that liked problems. Amen. I mean, yeah. Abraham was coming into town and he said to Sarah, if they ask you, you are my sister. <laughs> um, hello? You are my sister. I don't want problems. Phlegmatics don't like problems. They don't like confrontation. They don't like you to bother them. So instead of saying to him, like, this is my wife, he says, when we get there, if they ask, I don't want to hear, don't hold me. <laughs> walk by yourself, I walk by myself. Do not put me in trouble. He wasn't ready to fight for Sarah. Instead, he said, the Lord will fight for me. <laughs> he left it for the Lord. 
So that's, <laughs> so Abraham displayed that trait, amen. When he decided, mm, when we get there, God will do the rest. I'm not about to kill myself. <laughs> I'm not going to die. When you have people in your life, you need to find a way to inspire them. When you begin to see some of those, the weaknesses, now the strengths are there and they're beautiful, they're powerful. When you begin to see they're not moving, they don't, you know, they need plenty of encouragement. Do your best to stir them up towards the right direction. Amen. Amen. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham, of Abraham's livestock, <laughs> and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. <laughs> so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Look at that. Who brought Lot on the journey? Abraham. Was it Lot that invited Abraham? No. So if it were a choleric person, he said, I brought you, I made you, I will break you. <laughs> I'm the one that brought you on this trip. And you are here making trouble for me before you were I was. You were still a child when God was speaking. Who are you? But phlegmatic Abraham, he says, let there be no problem. I don't want trouble. That's a, a small boy. <laughs> let there be no problem. It is it's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left then I'll go the right. Ah, it doesn't sit well with some people. If you take, no. You say, when I finish taking, what is left? I can allow you to take it. But Fleg will say, give me whatever. I don't want problems. I don't want you to fight. And it's not just about not wanting to fight. He doesn't want you to be unhappy. A phlegmatic friend will do everything in their power to make sure you are smiling to make sure you are happy. So he says, I don't want, after all, I'm the one that dragged Lot out of his house and I brought him with me. So let me make sure Lot is happy. He's very, very, very understanding and compassionate. That's a flag for you. I will go to the left. If you take the left, I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. <laughs> all right, the story goes on. Of course, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw good land, and he chose and he selected. And it wasn't about, okay, my uncle, he brought me here, you know, seniority or whatever. He's like, yes, I'm picking first. Are, are you following? You know, so, but we're focused on Abraham, and we're focused on his niceness. Amen. Pastor Grace says niceness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but there's nothing wrong with you being a nice person. So you cannot, if we begin to say, no, it's not my temperament to be nice. Uh, try and be nice. Amen. All right. There, ah, let's not go there. <laughs> Glory be to God. Is it making a little sense? And is it blessing anyone? All right. That's good. And there is, there is a generation <laughs> Oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. Amen. 
these are the ones who don't live on this planet. Big, big eyes. They are thinking, <laughs> looking like, who are they? They are sanguines. Amen. They, they are living in another world. They, for them, my word, you must be happy all the time. You know, it doesn't matter what is going on around me. Ah, life is good. Life is wonderful. Amen. They are the life of any party. Amen. When they step into a place, you know that the party is just starting. Now, melancholies, ours is pity parties. They, they have some serious parties. <laughs> so you find sanguines. I told you earlier that a sanguine will tell you, I, I will do it. Pastor, what did you say you want done? Mm. Or you say to your friend, your friend says, I need, I need help with this. And you tell the friend, consider it done. It's over. You want, it's done. And then when you've said all the done, you never lift a finger because you have forgotten. You have managed to promise 10 more people, consider it done. And by the time you finish with all your promises, you've offended how many? But it is important for us to understand that they're not doing it just because they want to irritate you. That's just who they are. Fun, fun, fun in the brain. <laughs> you will meet... You will meet a sanguine. I know this is not a typical Sunday service kind of whatever, but are you being blessed? Yes. All right. You would meet a sanguine. A sanguine comes in a place. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, my God, you look stunning. Ooh, woo! I love, you know, their bodies. Yeah. So, so what's your name? Says, ah, oh, Malibu. What do you do? No, 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 no. Ah, wow, I'm so happy to meet you, man. And you feel like you've met a ah, lifetime friend. <laughs> uh, this one, we're in it together. And then the sanguine goes to the back, comes back. And you're like, so, he says, oh, hi. Um, what's your name again? <laughs> she has forgotten that you met. But you think... <laughs> But you think you've just made a, you know, ah, this, there's a soul tie here. <laughs> you think something has happened. You know, there's an ad that used to be on TV. I'm not even sure what they were advertising. I've forgotten. I don't know if it's a travel agent or something or insurance, something. There's this guy. He, he carried a bunch of flowers and he was so excited, making sure everything was in place. He was going to this place to give, to propose to this lady. And so he, fortunately for him, the, his friend met him on the way and stopped him. So he says that he's just going to propose this lady, you know, the way she smiled at me. That smile. Say so the way she smiled at me. Mm, it's marriage. <laughs> that smile, this relationship is for life. And so he went with flowers. Do you know the ad? What's it? Yes, it's Avis. <laughs> it's Avis. And so his friend stopped him and says, oh, that's how she smiles at everyone. <laughs> Nothing special about So he happened to look, and he looked into, in, into her, um, well, the window. He saw her through the window, and he saw her smiling exactly what she did to him. 
she was twin to the next person, and he was heartbroken. <laughs> now, sanguines are heartbreakers, by the way. <laughs> Hello. No, you are rejecting it. But that's the truth. <laughs> because you will find a sanguine man, <laughs> he has been so friendly with you that you are so sure that he's proposing. He's not thinking along those lines. <laughs> He hasn't even considered it. But you, you've planned the wedding. <laughs> Why? Because he's super friendly. Are you following? <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you just need to know, and you need to be, if your friend, if the guy is sanguine, uh, let me just go back to those kind of relationships. If he's sanguine and he's like, ooh, when he sees you, he hugs you, he doesn't let go when he hugs you. You need to have what's the hug for. <laughs> you know, it's like, you think, where's the hug going? You know, that's my language. My language wants to know what's happening. But if you just leave it like, oh, we're, we're enjoying ourselves, we're going somewhere, you'll be mistaken. <laughs> it's so difficult to be mad at sanguines. <laughs> Do you have a friend like that? Oh, first of all, if a sanguine has money, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Because they will spend on you. Why? They're flamboyant. They, they love to show off. You know, that's why, yeah. That's why when you see sanguines, you will know, that even the dressing, the colors everywhere. It's like, I've, look at me, I'm here, I've come. Are you following? But they're so, they're so loving that it's difficult. <laughs> I just remembered. I had a sanguine. How many of you remember Isaac? Maybe some of you know Isaac. <laughs> Isaac, my guy. So Isaac lived with us in Cape Town. And he's as sanguine as a sanguine can be. Yeah? So when I'm leaving the house and I say to Isaac, a lot of times he used to leave last. So when he's leaving the house, I say to Isaac, Isaac, make sure you lock up. Lock the gate, lock the door. I say, yes, auntie, no, 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 you know. Isaac, uh, Isaac, lock up, says yes, auntie. Isaac will leave. Then when I come back, the gate is open. The front door is open. <laughs> then I'm afraid to go in. Because I don't know if someone is in there waiting for me. <laughs> and eventually when I have tiptoed into the house and I realize nobody, and then he comes home and I'm waiting, I'm seething, I'm angry. As soon as he comes, Isaac, why did you leave this place? <gasps> oh, auntie. I say, it's not a matter of, oh, auntie. Do you know what could have happened? <laughs> How many times have I asked you not to leave this place open? You know why I'm, while I'm talking, Isaac will lift me up <laughs> and start spinning me around. <laughs> and he'll be saying, I love you, and, and covering me with kisses. And I'm trying to be angry because as far as I'm concerned, he just put my life in danger. But he will not even allow me to be angry. He will spin me 
me around, kiss, kiss. I don't know any man that has kissed me as much as that guy. <laughs> he will kiss, kiss, kiss. He will, I love you, and you know I love, you know you're my only, oh, the one that I love. By the time he finishes, I can't be angry. <laughs> That's who they are. I'm so out of time. But I will just try and wrap up quickly. <laughs> are you following? I, I always kind of like to show an example of someone in scripture who, who is like that. Um, but I, I don't think I can read the scriptures. But if you look at someone like Peter, <laughs> yeah? So, so sanguine. He's like Peter, he, he speaks before he thinks. You understand? Before you know anything, he, he, has, he has said, Jesus... He had answered one nice, correct question. <laughs> so the next minute, he was telling Jesus, far be it. You know, when Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified, da, da, da. He, Peter was like, this is me just trying to describe a sanguine. He says, Crucy what? No. Instead of you being crucified, I will be crucified for you. <laughs> Where is it happening? What, day, what time? Cru no, you will not be crucified. Jesus? When I'm here, nobody can do anything to you while I'm... That's Peter. Sanguine. They just talk. They're wonderful people. So if you have a friend like that and they're just talking, and it's okay. Jesus came and he was washing the feet of disciples. He, and, and Peter is like, are you going to wash mine? You know? Po, 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 po. <laughs> he says, no, no, you can't, you can't wash my feet. You, you know? And Jesus said, if I don't wash, you know, you read. He was saying to him, I have to wash it or else you have no part in me and all of that. And he said, eh, Jesus, wash my head, wash my leg, wash my hand, wash every part of me. Just wash. What? And he's like, that's not what I'm asking of you. Are you following? I just need to wash your, your feet and you're clean. Amen. Oh, dear God. You know, you guys are the ones making me. Blame, blame them, blame them. And the last group, those whose teeth are like swords and fangs like knives. Who are they? The cholerics, yeah. Cholerics are very raw in their speaking. They're not diplomatic at all. You know, phlegmatic is highly diplomatic. Those ones can even be diplomats. In fact, that's a good profession for them. But flags are not very diplomatic. They are the ones that say it as it is, without thinking how it offends and how it hurts. It is a flag paw, a choleric paw, that say, oh, foolish Galatians. You guys are just foolish. That's a choleric. He just speaks his mind. Are you, are you following? Sometimes it's not even about who he's hurting. He just says that. He says, oh, my word. I've got fantastic scripture that I wanted to read, but I'm really behind time. But when, if I end with this, when you look at Paul and Barnabas, remember that they got separated at some point. And why did they get separated? Because uh, Barnabas, who is son of consolation, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a pastor. You know, not, not every pastor is nice. <laughs> you know, some pastors have to just help you. You know, stand here, sit here, don't, you know. But you find Barnabas was such a nice guy. 
that they, they, they had a trip, a mission trip before, and John Mark abandoned them. All right? So now they're returning again, and then Barnabas uh, uh, is saying, we, well, let's take John Mark with him. He's very forgiving. He's ready to give him a second chance. And Paul says he will not come with us. <laughs> Why? Because, you know, he's, he, 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 he's more structured. He's saying, no, this guy did this before. I don't know if he will repeat it. I don't even want to try it. All right? Meanwhile, Barnabas is saying, ah, by now he has repented. By now he has learned. You know, it's okay. Hello? I, I understand that a lot of times people repent. Now, if it's a phlegmatic saint preaching right now, the phleg will say to you, I mean, Paul was so wrong. <laughs> How could he not forgive John Mark? Why did he not? Let's carry everybody together. Now, phlegmatics will carry this whole church where they are going but they will move at a snail's pace why because he doesn't want to leave anyone behind so it's like we're go we're all going but let's take it easy well my my my, my feet are sore everybody sit down let's wait for <laughs> her feet to be fine now a choleric is like let's go are you still here what not your way sit down so choleric, just go. They don't want, they're on a mission, and he wants to get to where he's going. So Paul says, John Mark is not coming. Uh, Barnabas says, no, let's take John Mark. Paul says, it's not going to happen, and they parted ways. They parted ways. Now, I feel that sometimes, because of this differences in our temperament, because of not having understanding, you part ways with people that you should not part ways with. You, you, you break off relationships that you should not break off from just because you did not have an understanding and just because you are set in your ways. May our temperaments be so spirit-controlled that even though you know that, yes, you usually bend towards this direction, when the Holy Spirit is moving you in the other direction, that you will not say, this is how I do things, this is how I've been doing it, and this is how I'll continue to do it. No, that you'll be the kind of person that will say, mm, this is how God is leading and I do that. So if you have friends, you know, if you have friends with any of those temperaments, and surely you must have with those temperaments, when you begin to understand them, you will value your friendship more. And you will get out of your friendship all that you are supposed to get out of it. Amen. I think we need to stand on our feet. So far behind time. Glory be to God. Was this helpful in any way? Amen. Let, let's just thank God. Thank God for the dynamics of your relationships, the, the friends that you have. Come on, let's just bless the name of the Lord. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.